0: So when you think functionally, you always have this kind of counterintuitive option. It gives Uh you leverage very often clinically. Uh And you're also applying it to yourself, which encourages you constantly to look at how helpful is this? Is this what I really want to be about? Is is this moving me in the right direction as a therapist, Mm -hmm. as a friend, as a person living in
1: this moment? Welcome back to Act Root to Fruit. My name is Marcel Tassara. I'm a psychologist, a clinician, on a quest to dig up the roots of the contextual behavioral sciences so that the fruit that us clinicians deliver is as pristine as possible. The uh, contextual behavioral sciences include acceptance and commitment therapy, FAB, functional analytic psychotherapy, and clinical behavior analysis, amongst others. I'm excited to bring you, I'm excited to bring you part two of uh, my dance with the great Steve Hayes. We tackle Thinking functionally, and how we as clinicians can start to think and conceptualize more functionally. Talk about the health and psychological flexibility and uh, the importance of history in, in these kinds of approaches. Personal history. And, and lastly, we finish up with a real play, and uh, Steve leads me on an a, a extended guided meditation, so I welcome you to get in a comfy place, especially if you're enjoying this here production i welcome you to subscribe wherever you're consuming it uh, feel free to review like and uh, also i am organizing some training groups around um, these processes that i'm focusing on so so thinking functionally and uh, functional analytic psychotherapy like is, is the main thrust of of the group so if 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 you're interested uh, hit me up uh, groups are online and a really nice way to connect with other clinicians who are on the same path and interested in the same in the same philosophies and approaches. So, without further ado, Steve Hayes. So, um one of the things I'm really wanting to know about from you is like how how do you think people can start to think more functionally? Mm. Who aren't you know like myself? I'm a counseling psychologist. I'm you know I not I, was very eclectic. Like I said before, I didn't have a, a, a firm philosophy of science or theory that I was grounded in. Sure. And, and I think that that's a lot of folks coming to, to ACT sure, sure, absolutely. CBS.
0: Well, I think the key thing about thinking functionally is, is to first don't think optologically in terms of just objects and pieces that are preformed by your sensory and perception system or by your cognitive system. Think in a way that's more open and fluid. There's many ways to parse the environment that you're in. And let's parse it in ways that are functional. But then if we're dealing with behavioral science, psychological science, uh, if you're it's not physics, it's not chemistry, um, there the subject matter is this ineffable verb, like thing of behaving, thinking, feeling, remembering. Mm-hmm. There's always a name on it, mm-hmm. and they disappear as uh, as they appear. They flow. The, the The units can be huge or little, grasping the door of your car or driving to the beach. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, your relationship with your wife or hi dear. I mean, it goes from the most grain of sand-like things to the, well, function says this, think of these gerunds as transitions from one state of affairs to another, and appreciate the state of affairs and all of its complexity that is being transitioned. You know, that's almost beyond our capacity to imagine Mm -hmm never mind a model and study
1: mm-hmm. and then interact with in, in vivo
0: <laughs> yeah i mean the the thing you just did may have something to do with your epigenetic regulation due to you know the holocaust the thing that you just did may have to do with like ate this morning or are sleeping badly last night or mm-hmm. you know a thought that just occurred that was occasioned by something that was said or so you are like this constant maybe this complex system with double-headed arrows everywhere with an almost infinite number of things interacting and flowing. Mm -hmm. Well, if you just stay with that, you can't do anything. But if you simplify always with humility and respect to the complexity that exists in the one world, At least in principle. Okay. (laughs) Because it could be simple. Who knows? Um, Holding on to transition as the focus will keep you from making the error of grabbing onto features or parts or relations, saying, that's it, that's it. But it'll keep you humble, but it'll also keep you open Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself to sort of interact. With the flow in a way that's pretty unusual, because it's a kind of a Zen exercise to do that. Hmm. Our, our normal language doesn't teach us to do it. Our technical language often doesn't.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, so, when use uh, uh, a practical example, okay. person says, uh, "I feel so badly about myself. Sometimes I hate myself." You know, the pull to take that difficult thought as if that's the problem is huge. But that person just said something that has a functional impact on you, that might be part of what the saying is about.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It has a functional impact on the person who said it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It has a cultural history and a family history. It points to something that might be of importance. And to to look at that as a transition, you might say, you know, and how, how does that help you? What, help me?
1: I'm not saying it has
0: to, but could you take that seriously? And you know, people catch things like, I whip myself to make myself achieve, and I'm afraid if I didn't, I wouldn't do anything. You know, mm-hmm. as an example, and I'm not saying everybody who has a negative thought mm-hmm. about themselves are doing that. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. But counterintuitive. And the reason I picked that one is there's a function that's counterintuitive. The form of the thought looks negative, right? It has to have a negative function. No, it doesn't.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you get up in the morning and start beating yourself about the head and ears all the time. So mm-hmm. what? To get up and get your kid to school. And all. is is it the way you should do it? And probably not. But does it have a positive function? Yes. Could you do it another way? Yeah, probably. Probably be healthier too. But don't be so quick. To just grab at the form. Okay. Look at the function. Yeah. And then are there other ways that we could accomplish that? That maybe it'd be a little gentler, a little more self-kind, that would allow more compassion for others. Don't be drawn into the form again. Okay. Compassion is a relation. Kindness yeah. is a relation. It's a function.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There's a tendency to define self kindness as Oh, I'm okay. No, you can say those exact words, in ways that are horrible to yourself and other people.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: You can use it to justify bad behavior. Yeah, yeah, behavior that you're, you know, really don't be engaging in. So when you think functionally, you always have this kind of counterintuitive option. It gives Uh you leverage very often clinically. Uh huh. And you're also applying it to yourself, which encourages you constantly to look at how helpful is this? Is this what I really want to be about? Is, it, is this moving me in the right direction as a therapist, mm-hmm. as a friend, as a person living in
1: this moment, etc. Part of what I also heard in that is that kind of rather than just looking at how is this uh, negatively impacting this person? Like what, what else is it? What else is it doing? Because the draw the draw in that to the, the literal or is is, and like you said, that that is the problem that that thought is the problem.
0: Yeah. You know, when you start looking at function, and you're looking at things that are negative, almost always, you see that what the person is trying to do is not negative. I wrote about this a lot in liberated mind you know, of, of that there's this Mishandled energy, I call it. This motivational yearning,
2: mm-hmm.
0: need. People are going back to Maslow. <laughs> you know, no wonder it's in that book. Finally got there after forty years. But anyway, there's this underlying thing that you're you're yearning for when you're doing things that are negative. That are so. For example, and uh, you know, I'm just I'm bad, or so. You know there's an underlying yearning to make sense of complexity. That's one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There may be an underlying yearning to, uh, you know, to be able to to feel fully and without needless defense. And, you know, that uh, bit might make sense of it. The reason I do things is I'm just bad. It might also say, yeah, and I, I, I want to, feel, but I only can feel the good stuff because this bad stuff is so painful, Mm -hmm. Uh, it could connect to belonging. You know, help me, help me, I'm so bad.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Will you be my friend? You know, I mean, it can have multiple functions, and the functions that you're yearning for are not bad. We all yearn for Having things be sensible, to be able to feel, to mm-hmm. belong, but you know, doing that, I'm bad, and maybe even whipping competence out of it. Therefore, I have to do my homework. You know, I have to. You know, you're just looking at therefore, I have to do my to do list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you may be snipping on the end of your telomeres. I mean, you may be doing things that won't allow you to sort of relax mm-hmm. with your spouse tonight. I mean. Look more broadly, this is really how you want to be in the world. But not because it's a bad thought or because bad is in the word. So don't go by form, go by function. But consider what is the function in a way that allows you to dig into what's of importance and appetitive, even inside pathology. When you think functionally, you start thinking situationally and there's a kind of compassion that comes from that. Mm -hmm. People are not trying to screw up their lives. They're really not. They're not resisting your therapy. They're not inherently perverse or maladaptive. Mm -hmm. They don't Mm -hmm. have a personality disorder. They're mismanaging the challenges of life. I get that. You too, in some ways. (laughs) So let's come in and use our science to help orient us towards
1: yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: And do, where do you, where would you send people who are wanting to learn about kind of a clinical functional assessment specifically? Well, I'm
0: on the journey right now with my colleagues, and my act colleagues, but beyond that, Stefan Hoffman just wrote to you those people, on trying to, you know, really rethink what therapy even is in this process-based therapy, approach to ACT and psychological flexibility and beyond ACT to all of evidence-based therapy, not just in the cognitive behavioral tradition, but the humanistic existential analytic, etc. tradition. And thinking functionally is actually kind of in all of those traditions, but it gets overwhelmed. And we're using evolutionary science as a way to do that, because almost everybody who's a scientist anyway, wants to say, well, what I'm doing fits with Evolution. There's very, very few folks who say it, who want to say, no, what I'm doing doesn't have anything to do with evolution. And evolution has to do with this kind of variation, selection, retention, and context functional process.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I appealed to it earlier when I was talking about Donald Hoffman, even in how we understand our sensory system and corresponding things with the world and so forth. So, where I would send people now, right at this moment, is to training and a process-based approach and you could you know it, it would be good to start with the psychological flexibility model and the act stuff i do have i mean coi warning because i make money on online courses but i do have two act immersion and ACT mm-hmm. in practice by the time you get to act in practice i'm really into process-based therapy ideas and we have a book that we've finished stefan and i uh called learning process-based therapy uh, he's doing a, a webinar in August that I think will be really cool. Um, so I, where I'd send people is to, um, you know, I I think those ACT books and yeah. trainings, mm-hmm. but looking forward, not just saying, okay, now it's ACT alles, Okay, now we've got the answer. We're just going to apply these ACT techniques. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. there's many, many things you know how to do clinically that are not in ACT books. That are, make perfect sense in the light of psychological flexibility and processes of change, and applying these to the individual in a new form of functional analysis. And so. Um, there's no turnkey thing I could send you to, but I'd send you to this CBS okay. tradition and all these people, these almost mm-hmm. 10,000 people in this society, this association,
2: yeah
0: uh, or the people influenced by it, or much more than that. Um, okay. Trying to answer that question in a way that is respectful of
1: the clinical challenge and the scientific challenge as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I recently picked up uh, Depression in Context by your your internship mate there. Neil Jacobson and I really can't help but think that, or just imagine, try to imagine where he would be if he was still alive. Oh man,
0: Neil was a warrior man. He can I tell a little Neil story, please? Well, uh, I've been talking to Neil for a long time that we need to essentially bring this contextual form of thinking. He did his ABCT presidential address on it uh, into. Uh, the mainstream, and we really need to, to to do that. What that sensibility led to ACBS later on.
2: Hmm.
0: He called me up and he said, "Okay, I finally see it. We're gonna for the longest time he's saying no, we can do it another time. He said we need to do it. We need to do it. We need to declare the revolution. We need to form a society. We need to get together. We're gonna do it. We're gonna it. great." So I bought a airline, a ticket, an airline ticket on Alaska Airlines. I was gonna fly from Reno to. Seattle, we we're gonna sit down and plan the revolution. And then I got a call that he'd die. No wow. No. And um had he lived, he was such a warrior. I, I don't know, you know, because he just wanted to go after traditional CBT tooth and nail. You see it in these dismantling mm-hmm. studies he'd he'd done. And he, he literally said, and I think it was serious in a way, that he wanted to do a study on behavioral activation done by homeless people versus cognitive therapy done by academy <laughs> cognitive therapy people and, and, and beat them. <laughs> you know, that was the kind of guy he was. There would have been blood all over the floor. <laughs> and I would have been right standing next to him I mean I would have just not because just because of the fun of it you know three musketeers you know yeah. fighting dragons and stuff but when he died my my way is not like that I mean I'm a
2: mm-hmm.
0: more of a an old political organizer who mm-hmm. believes in the group and so I tried to lead from behind so everything slows down it and there was some obnoxious stuff in there but not too much of it and it was a kinder, gentler. People were kind of still mad at me, but man, you should have seen it, how it would have been if Neil had been alive. <laughs> <laughs> Tooth and claw, Game of
1: Thrones. It's interesting because I love, I mean, love that guy. I just love I him. see pictures of him and he looks He looks like the, so gentle and, you know, I mean, I'm <laughs> sure he was gentle, but it's funny to hear this other. He had multiple sides. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Kirk
0: Strassel was a good friend of them. They, they were watch. Yeah, he was, he, I, I
1: interviewed him recently and he told me a few tales too. And uh. when I met him on, on internship, the first thing he asked me, the very first thing,
0: he, he's a brand new intern just showed up. He was in a class behind me. And uh, he comes in, he says, hi, Steve. How many publications have you had?
2: <laughs>
0: That's literally true. Well, hi, Steve was the first thing. Yeah. And then it was, so he was competitive and crazy.
1: (laughs) You're not some, you're not like Mr. X Superman 24 seven, but I do, I do experience you as someone who takes good care of yourself. I mean, I see you as fit and I see you just, you seem, you seem to me like you're, you're on the beam, but I guess I'm just, I'm curious, like what, what are some things you're active in now as far as staying, taking care of yourself?
0: Well, I, you know, I think what, uh, the psychological flexibility processes are about. is not repairing broken people. It's not about treating syndromes. It's not about fixing mental illness. I mean, we'll play that game because if, you, you know, if you're in China, you speak Chinese, but it's the way it used to be. You got grants, et cetera. But really what it's about is digging down to processes that lift up people and move them forward and that includes physical health it includes social wellness so if you know you're not using your psychological tools to empower the kind of life that you want to live either there's something more needed in the tools or there's more work you need to do now now there's always more work you need to do i mean I am not the king of the act processes. And I was joking to you just minutes ago, you know, just Mm -hmm. as my wife. But, uh, you know, things like, um, you know, for all of my busyness and stuff, I'm not a big exerciser and stuff, but I do do my push ups and I do try to ride my bike and I do, you know, not compulsively, but just enough you know mm-hmm. okay before i was doing bad push-ups i could do my age which was always my goal per <laughs> day but uh, now stevie has because he you know just got his black belt he's, he's he knows exercise he says now those aren't real push-ups yeah you can't hang your head and just look <laughs> down like that dad you have to you know practically touch your nose with the carpet well pfft, i went down to like 10 i'm up now to I'm, I'm creeping up towards 40 i'll eventually get to wow. seven wow
1: that's that's a, that's a lot. actually it's an
0: interesting one do you know that push-ups number of push-ups Alone correlates with health and wellness and effective aging better than any other single exercise. Hmm. Good push-ups. Interesting facts. Yeah, well, good push-ups are more challenging. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure really good matters, but you know it has to do also with social kind of health mm-hmm. as well, and and so mental resilience. You know, some of that stuff uh, we know. We, we got research showing that, for example. Uh, psychological inflexibility, experiential avoidance, or snipping off your telomeres, you know which predicts cell aging, which predicts premature
2: mm-hmm.
0: aging and even death. Uh, we know that uh, psychological flexibility, downregulated stress related gene systems. And some of those are genetic or epigenetic, some of those don't have to do at all. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm the son of a mother, who escaped from Germany, and half of her aunts and uncles died in ovens. Well, you just look at the research on that. It means, you know, I was born. Never mind. It came from. You know, my dad had alcoholic, had anxiety problems. My mother, OCD, depressed, and came out of that kind of a background. Plus, her father becoming a Nazi sympathizer and say, "Don't tell people you have tainted blood." I mean, this poor dear, was, you know, having trauma after trauma after trauma. I just learned within the last few years that her mother committed suicide, and she held herself responsible. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that till I was in my late 60s. My whole life makes much more sense now. But my point being, you know, you want to do the psychological things as best you can that help you deal with the card deck you've been dealt. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those things are changeable by environment and behavior. We drank the Kool-Aid that they're not, and we went through that era that, you know, genes maybe do it, and now we're into, you know, my brain maybe do it. it, Brain's a dependent variable, not just an independent variable. Genes are dependent variables, not just independent variables. Who knew? You Mm -hmm. can up and down regulate, them. we're Mm -hmm. doing it right now. Do you know that eight weeks of meditation, 7% of your genome is up or down regulated? Hmm. eight weeks of meditation wow. every cell in your body is seven percent different
1: is that good so, meditation or bad meditation <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah a good question well it was uh this the good studies there are herb benson stuff which is focused you know uh, uh de-woo-woo uh, mm-hmm. maharishi basically mm-hmm. you know, transcendental meditation that focused tradition of course it's not tm didn't it? then it's yeah ancient but My point being, let's get on the same page, the life scientists, the behavioral scientists, the folks interested in culture and stigma, prejudice, all the rest, and focus on processes that lift people up. And boy, you could do a whole lot better than taking the psychological flexibility processes as a beginning working set. You're going to want to add things, attachment maybe of course things, social support, social Mm -hmm. cooperation, compassion for others, and diet and exercise, sleep, um, and so on. But So I don't know. Uh, I I don't want to hold myself up as a shining light of anything, but I will say this. I take psychological flexibility and act very seriously, seriously enough that most minutes of my waking day are somehow related to it. Not because I'm a freak or trying to, you know, say, you know, I was right. I mean, I'm just channeling stuff that has been in the culture. Some of the stuff is outright theft. I mean, I'm taking things that are out there that we knew about. The only difference is trying to figure out what the processes are all the way down to, you know, how language and cognition works, and then put it into a, a science journey and not just a a cultural wing of health or spirituality or whatever. But um, I think if you do that, you have a better chance of uh, having an immune system do what it's supposed to or having your body cooperate. Mm -hmm. But you're going out horizontal. I mean, nobody's – it's not like uh, you're going to sail off the planet into another zone of existence. I mean you're just playing the odds do you, you actually i I think if you do it in order to play the odds in some sort of heavy mindy way mm-hmm. you're undoing the good of doing it because mm-hmm. they are the right same thing you know like oh. yeah so I try not to think about it worry yeah. about it I just try to do my psychological flexibility yeah. work and the things that anyone would tell you to do who cares about health in terms of diet exercise you know I'm, I'm, my diet is very good and yeah. you know, it's basically a mediterranean diet pescatarian okay um etc and has been for 25 years and i
1: mean uh, it's not so yeah you asked about it serves you right <laughs> <laughs> um uh, we'll segue into recipes with steve here in
2: minute.
0: Yeah, exactly yeah my wife and i love watching the cooking shows maybe yeah so the act
1: cooking show <laughs> the AK channel. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that about the the stress associated with trying to kind of beat the odds. Um, You've Noah Harari. I don't know if you're familiar with his book, the 21st 21 problems for the 21st century. And he talks about AI and how we're moving towards being immortal. Like that's the that's what some folks are after and the stress sure. and anxiety that that's going to bring with it, you know, once once you have to be, you know, but that's maybe that's. You know.
0: Well, it's interesting. One worry I'd have about that, you know, you look at the data on stress. Stress is not toxic. It's trying not to be stressed that's toxic. You know, so we get stressed about stress, and that's toxic.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: what's the difference between a challenge and mm-hmm. stress? It's your posture with regard to it. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to be too, you know, if you're the victim of, you know, prejudice, stigma, etc. I don't want to be sanguine about that. But you know, we we're not I beams, we're not about to crack. I mean, the engineering carryover that was done around that whole well, and and the point of that being, um, you know, I'm skeptical of this kind of anxious mindy, I want to live to other stuff. I think it's toxic for us, you know. Have you ever been around a health freak, somebody who's just obsessed by it? Does that look good for you? Do you like being around them? And does it really look good for them? It doesn't look good for them to me. I don't care how many miles you're running,
2: mm-hmm. or whether or not
0: you're you know drinking nothing but chamomile tea. I mean, it, it, it looks to me like you're stressing yourself out inside the I'll sh- I shall not have. Mm-hmm. Well, there, I just said it, you're stressing yourself out. See, the way we talk about it is we don't even have good ways of talking about
2: mm-hmm.
0: what it's like, to roll with your challenges, to step up with your opportunities, to do it full out. And um, there's so much more flexibility around all kinds of things. Sleep, for example. Yeah, sleep's really important, but stressing about sleep is you know, I freaked out about it. I didn't get enough sleep.
2: Uh, okay, no. that's
1: you, you're just snipped off if you're telomeres. <laughs> <laughs> um on, on this topic, I'm wondering if if you're you know spotted on the street and someone recognizes you who's not who's a lay person and they they yeah. say you know I, I know who you are I know kind of know what you do why why should I face my darkness why should I face my
0: um, my best? darkness why should you well it's funny that uh hello darkness was one of the things when the, when the first wave hit of act of a popular magazine thing happened um uh, somebody decided to title that just like Time Magazine, you know, happiness is not normal. These are not things I've ever said, but that was the way the message land.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's actually a mindy kind of example of what the cultural stream we're swimming in and which if you're not doing happy, happy, joy, joy, smiley face buttons from morning to night, you know, then what you don't care about happiness? No, I do care about happiness. And guess what? It doesn't come like that. It's not happy. When you're clinging, do you know that experiential avoidance, the initial wave of kind of acty stuff having to do with emotion, is just maybe a little bit more toxic than experiential attachment? You're a joy junkie, mm-hmm. you got problems. You know, you go down to Fourth Street and you can score some stuff that'll turn you into a joy junkie mm-hmm. in another way. And and we call it a fix for a reason. You're trying to fix things in place, not just repair mm-hmm. stuff. It's a metaphor. It means mm-hmm. I want to hold it. I want to hold it. I want to hold on to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, how how can we convey the message? What is the message? I think the message is to let's start here and now in consciousness. And let's create a context in which we get to learn from our own history. Why? Because it'll serve us in being able to make some choices. What kind? That will move us towards the life we really want to live, how we want to be in the world. You know, how we can love and contribute and create and play in the world, mm-hmm. right? That shift from my history in this moment to the kind of life I. You know, the message is not hello darkness. The message is, if you want to dumb yourself down, run from your history. Your history contains painful things. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You're going to learn from it, or you're going to run from it. If you run from it, you can't learn from it. So, you know, you take something like alexithymia and experiential avoidance and so forth. Let's take people who've been abused. I mean, one of the least fair things on the planet, Mm -hmm. children who've been abused sexually or in other ways, okay? You wanna predict whether or not that person's gonna be perpetrated on in the future? Here's how to do it. Do you downregulate your emotions? You avoid them, and you're a lexothymic, the point you can't even name them. Mm. You know, because what's happened there, it would be just like if you had fingers that became numb or something from a mm-hmm. process and then you easily could injure your fingers i mean you don't want to go home with a guy who's not safe how are you going to know he's not safe you can't do it just by here's the rule you know the, you know bikers with tattoos are not saying no you know that person in the suit you know who's driving that tesla may probably be the one who's not safe how are you going to read it you need your history on deck to do that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you don't get wiser over time. You just get older. So our message in the act work is hard to explain. I think psychological flexibility helps, but I wish I had a slightly better term because it doesn't convey the strength that comes from Mm -hmm. onboarding your history. It looks like just bending. yeah, But it's something more like flexible strength, you know, that, uh, you know, you want to treat it bends, Mm
2: -hmm. but you want to
0: treat it strong in the same way, you know, and so I, I, I don't know, it's hard to language about, but it's not that hard to know from the science of it, what we need to do, I think, and those flexibility processes, socially extended, and also taking care of our biophysiological needs are a really powerful working set for how to carry your history, come into the present, focus on what's important and get your feet moving. And that, ding, 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 predicts positive outcomes everywhere you can look. And so the person who came to me, I'd say, I would only ask you to open up to pain if it's useful. And I just want to have this little conversation with you. Is there any painful emotion you can name that you don't pay good money to produce? Oh, I hate sadness. Well, then why do you buy tearjerker novels? How about when your mother dies? What if your child was killed? You know, you don't have to go very far before people say, actually, I kind of want sadness Mm -hmm. and I want anxiety and pay money to produce it or ride roller courses, whatever, I mean, you can't name an emotion that isn't useful to you sometimes and you know it and that you don't pay to produce it. So why are you running from it? I get that over oh, being overwhelmed by emotion and I would, I'm in a role here, I would say that but I get that darkness can overwhelm you. I get that. And I'll tell you what, if, if that happens when we don't learn how to take what's useful, and then with respect, Mr. Mind, leave the rest.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So I'm not talking about wallowing. I'm not talking about being stuck. I'm talking about being able to take on your history, show up here, and use it to do good things that lift you up in your life. And that's what this is about. Sometimes darkness is part of that process. If if that person asked me today, I'd say, are you a little worried about the COVID thing?
2: Mm.
0: They're going to say yes. I say you should be. Yeah, you should be. And it's helpful to you. It helps you have compassion for people who are in areas of the world. My wife's Brazilian. Boy, You look at what's happening there. It helps you know that probably a good idea to put on that mask, not just for yourself, but for others.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it helps you be pro-social, helps you care. Um, so, darkness is part of life, just like night and day. It's part of life. And... Uh, you know that. Uh, so let's get the skills so that you can do what your heart really tells you, you know, is wise. And if a person says, oh, I don't know that, well, I, I can within minutes usually show people that they do know that. Huh. My favorite one, I've been on many podcasts where I've said it, is to show me with your body, you at your worst with an issue, now, psychological one, now show me with your body, you at your best. And universally, you're, you're worse. your eyes closed, your head goes down, your arms and hands come in, you fold at the stomach, you, you might even flop on the floor. Those are all metaphors for being closed, not in touch. And universally, you're at your best, your head comes up, your eyes open, your arms and hands go out. So let's do that. You already know it. I asked you, you showed me in a matter of seconds. We've taken these pictures around the freaking world, whether you're wearing burkas or loincloths, you do the same thing. <laughs> around the world, people show open, engaged mm-hmm. postures mm-hmm. at their best, as a metaphor, mm-hmm. without any explanation for what we mean by at their best, and closed defensive postures if they're not. So I get that you know how to be closed and defensive, but you know that it's not good for you. So let's work on the tools that will allow you to be how you know you, you want to be mm-hmm. with your own life and history and circumstances and That'll empower you to do lots of cool things, changing the world. I mean, I'm not talking about tolerance. Acceptance is not tolerance. It's receiving the gift of your own history.
1: Okay,
0: I appreciate that. No, that's uh, my rant. That uh, <laughs> little different some things I've said before, but I think it's uh, it's. I wish I could get it into like a three word. <laughs> if you come, if anybody listening to this can come up with three words, yeah. You know a
1: trademark a right? bumper Please, sticker <laughs> someone in the south probably we need a, a southerner to
0: well we need the... some, you know actually what we need poets and uh artists you know I, I, and it's interesting you know act and rft are going into the arts if you don't hmm. know that you should hmm. yeah oh well, it's so good. well, i yeah you people who are listening won't be able to see it but i just have one right here this is a, a little sticker. I don't have any commercial interest in this. It's a film company called The Frame Company. Why? Because the they frame theory. Act, yeah, for the the frame theory rather. The frame theory. That's the name of their company, because they will do filming for you, helping with your business or whatever, your products, etc., using act and relational frame theory to figure out how to present it in a way that lands well on people.
2: Okay.
0: So. It's not, and it's not surprising if you slow down and you look at what art and literature have always been doing. Mm-hmm. They've been digging down to wisdom. And if you claim that these flexibility processes are something about how to be wiser with yourself, it should deeply resonate, not just with your sewing with your body, but with Star Wars and uh, mm-hmm. uh, video, games. <laughs> hmm? video games. Video yeah, games. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the structure of our stories, you know, you have a challenge, it's emotionally upsetting. You find a sense of self that steps up to it. You focus on the present, your allies come in to figure out what your values are. And you take arms against a sea of troubles and throw the ring into the crack of doom or get the golden fleece or whatever the thing is and come back to the beauty and say here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then life returns to normal until the next time that the R2D2 shows up. You know, it's in every mm-hmm. freaking story that mm-hmm. people like because they recognize it somewhere. Yeah. That's yeah. their journey, it resonates with them. So let's ask the artists how to okay. talk to the culture yeah. about it.
1: So I, I realize we're running here long and I, I'm um just want to check in with you if we have a few minutes to just do a little bit of a, a real play. I, I I don't know what what I'm just gonna talk about a situation that I've noticed in my in my interpersonal yeah. experiences and we'll see what happens. Maybe it just turns into you asking me and we talking talking about functionally or we do something else. I'm open to whatever. Okay. Okay. So um I've I've noticed that. Um, I'm, I have a tendency to be really, um, um, kind of in the, I lean in the people pleasing direction. Okay. And part of that is like, I've noticed is like, like kind of like, a there's some control in that, you know, like I'm going to win someone over. And if someone's mad at me, I'm, I, I it just can't happen. Cause it, you know, everyone has to be okay with me, uh-huh. you know, and, um, something I've, I've I've been working on recently, I've been noticing is um, how I've just been noticing how narrow that is, you know, what what happens when I've, I see the the frustration on someone's face is like, all my attention goes there, and I've got to figure out how that can go away. Okay. And what I've been doing recently is kind of trying to broaden my repertoire and, and notice other things that are happening noticing, you know, just I mean, physically inside of me, and also, What else can I be doing other than that as a practical experience? And um, it's really interesting, you know, I I like, like episodes of frustration are a lot more (laughs) short-lived my experience. And um, that's not what my, you know, uh, kind of intuitive MO would be. It makes sense of that. Yeah. So
0: if you were to put that in rule form, what what, what, do you, how, what have you, what have you learned? What have you noticed?
1: Well, that when I'm, when I'm, uh, after one thing, when I've got my scope set on, um, getting rid of one thing, that one thing I, I get stuck to that one thing. And the one thing kind of just grows yeah. and it's like, I'm, 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 I'm watering this, you know, Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't know, but I don't know if you're getting after the rule of, you know, helpful rule or <laughs> what were your questions? I just
0: thought I would. Could we do a little uh, exercise? Yeah. Uh, would it be okay if we do it as an nice eyes close exercise? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll try to not let it go on too long. Mm-hmm. But I just want to do something and see how it lands. To do it, though, I need... Uh, a person in your life where you've wanted to please,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but you're not sure that you're able to or that they are pleased with you. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to make it an extraordinary specific, but I do need that person and that face of that person. Okay. And maybe just a little bit of a sense of some of the kinds of situations that have happened to that person where you've felt that yearning to please and uh, that worry that it didn't, and that focus on,
2: mm-hmm.
0: would that be okay? Yeah. You know, yeah. have somebody in mind, you to know, say who it is. Don't, don't have to do that Don't all. Don't. Just, well, you we, can decide later yeah. on. You okay. can decide on the other side of this. I see. Okay. So why don't you go ahead and just uh, allow your eyes to close this so you mm-hmm. can focus on what I'm saying. And let's just start out. With your body, as it is right now, do a little brief scan. I'm actually closing my eyes too, just so I can get a sense of what I'm asking you to do. And from your feet, just as if you were kind of easing into a hot tub, up your legs, through your middle torso. As you come up, notice what's going on in your body. If anything, any particular sensations, muscles, etc., up through your torso and chest and arms and hands and head and neck as we kind of sink into, and maybe pop out of, I don't want you to not be able to breathe, but this kind of psychological hot tub of, here's how I'm feeling right now in the world of physical sensation. Noticing anything that stands out from the other things. And then notice something that you don't usually notice that stands out, but that had to stand out in order to do that, which is that you're noticing. Your feet is not are not noticing it's themselves. Your arms and hands are not noticing themselves. There's a conscious, aware human being here that's noticing your bodily sensations. And don't grab that part and look at it. Just touch for a second, just an ineffable moment that you're here, aware, right now, noticing something. And it's from that perspective or point of view that I'd like you to just do this brief exercise. And I asked you to pick somebody who yearned to please, but are concerned that maybe you don't or can't or haven't. And I want you to picture that person there in front of you, just in your imagination, actually kind of create the experience of seeing that person as if you're actually close enough to be in a conversation where you might make that move. And what I want you to touch is this yearning for pleasing that shows up in moments like this. We're not imagining the details of the conversation. But if something, the next thing were to come out of your mouth already, see if it's not true that there'd be a quality, even in hi or how are you, that would have a little bit of people-pleasing qualities to it. See if you can catch that you might do that. Not always, but you might, especially with somebody here whether you know you care, we want that, and it's been hard, or your fear it might be hard. And so I want you to touch that part. And then I want you to go on a level down and see if you can touch this, that you yearn to somehow belong in this interaction, to be welcomed in this interaction to be in this group of two and to not be, not just judged or found not to be pleasing. Dig a little deeper and see if it's also what the not be might include to not be alone unwanted, isolated, to not belong. And see if you can open up to that, that there's a painful place in there, see if you can find it, of what would happen if you weren't pleasing. And this time, in this moment, see if you can open to that, like actually open up to the desert of aloneness, alienation, disconnection, almost as if that face that you're looking at begins to gray, like a like a screen on your computer where you turn it and the colors start to die, like you're getting more and more disconnected from belonging and connection, but this time do it on purpose. I want you to actually dial that thing down and feel more fully times when you've really felt abandoned and alone, uncared for, and just open up. If there's any memories that flit up or any bodily sensations that flit up, allow them to aloneness, and disconnection, isolation, being misunderstood, not being able to communicate. Go inside the pain of that and see if it doesn't kind of, there's a seed in there that you normally wouldn't want to look at. And it might have a history, I don't know, might show up in different places, not just in this conversation. And as you look at that, as you open up to that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to catch who's noticing. Catch that you're noticing this. That same part of you that noticed the hot tub awareness of what your body was doing is now here noticing these echoes of your past that show up in these interactions of pain, of disconnection, alienation, failure to communicate, failure to be wanted, failure to belong. See if you can find that. And then from that perspective or point of view, without grasping, without holding, but just as a touch, I want you to see if that part of you is actually able to be fully you, even with the painful emotion that comes with not belonging. You're not broken. You don't have to be fixed. Even this emotion can be felt. Even those memories can be remembered. Even those thoughts can be seen. Even those sensations have a place in consciousness. I'm just asking you to catch that the part of you that's witnessing and noticing is perfectly willing to witness and notice your own experience, even when it contains these kinds of things. And then in your mind's eye, having caught that, I want you to mentally... Bring that face back of that person. And in your mind's eye, imagine that you're looking that person in their eyes, that person that you want to please so that you belong, so that you connect with, so that you're understood. And instead of pleasing, not to eliminate it, I don't mean instead of an elimination, but I mean, if we're not just focused at pleasing come back to those mental picture of those eyes in front of you and see if there's another possibility here. What you're seeing in those eyes is the consciousness and the other that you just engaged in to notice your own experience. You're seeing a conscious human being. You're connected in consciousness with that human being even if you're not pleasing them. Don't hear me to say that this is reassurance or diminishment to eliminate pain. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to open up to the possibility that you're inherently connected, you inherently belong, if you allow the superficial features to be less important and the essence to be more important. you might see in those eyes that that person is afraid, too. That person wants to please you. That person is afraid of being alone. That person is afraid of being misunderstood. And instead of rushing to please, could we please be present? with another person connecting with you. And what would happen if the next thing out of your mouth that, hi, how are you, wasn't about pleasing, but was about connecting, was an extension of who you are anyway. We've been gone about seven minutes. You can picture this room and the things that are in it. Just for fun, you might see if you can remember something about the what your eyes will give you when you open up your eyes. And then when you're ready, just come back and let's see what showed up.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I felt a wholeness in catching. That wasn't uh it wasn't uh kind of singular event that was in here that I was you know it was a kind of there was a I don't know I just it was there was like a kind of a circle you know yeah. yeah it'd be worth uh
0: could you relate it all to the idea that underneath people pleasing is this fear of Abandonment, disconnection, oh, yeah. aloneness, yeah. alienation. Definitely. And this Definitely. is something you know about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something you just imagined.
1: Yeah. You've had moments like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was taken back to to many of them. And yeah. uh and then the the confusion about well, if I don't do that, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what if, yeah. If you don't do that. What's mm-hmm. the alternative? And what I just don't care about that, and that's going to happen all the time. And your mind will give you lots of formulations. Yeah. But then there's this other dimension of, in addition to all the formulations and stuff, there's this reality of connection that's there. In the as real as you know, one hand hitting the other. Mm-hmm. It's if you open up to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so the, and, yeah. Well, I, I'm just thinking about the the you know, where I'm at right now and how I'm feeling um, and seeing and experiencing, you know, past that in myself, how helpful that is for me to, to, to see past.
2: Yeah,
0: you can maybe find a little kinder place to put the worries and the urges to please, Mm -hmm. but maybe a little more values place to put actual deployment of life's moments in a way that is whole. And affords connection because part of the horrible thing about people pleasing is if you trick them into pleasing, being pleased, they're now somebody you manipulated.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's
0: yes. Amen and, to that. And there you are disconnected again. There you are alone again. So if it landed reasonably well with you, can I just unpack it in terms of principles? Yeah. yeah. Because I haven't done something exactly like this ever. Oh. I've never done that exercise.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: The reason I did that exercise, though, goes back to that early geeky part of our talking, which is there are principles underneath these things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And when you tell me about people pleasing and I connect it to these flexibility processes, or is there something in there that's being avoided? Is there a thought in there that's being fused with? But there's also this kind of, it's coming in a social context, this yearning to belong and connect.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, and the ACT approach that I hear nonness of awareness is the core of belonging. You know, and it goes back to the RFT idea, you know, that we as these social primates created this sense of self so that Mm -hmm. you could take the perspective of others it isn't just I, it's you. It isn't just mm-hmm. here, it's there. It isn't just now, it's then. Yeah. These frames, right? So that's all geeky kind of theory, but it, then it lands in, therefore, the one of the places I might really want to go with something like people-pleasing is to sense of consciousness,
2: hmm.
0: sense of awareness, the I hear nowness of the fromness of awareness that's established, the dectic framing, and then being able to use that to help with more emotional mm-hmm. openness. And you saw me do that, more cognitive mm-hmm. openness. We started to do that, more present focus. I did a little bit of that, and it's just the very beginning. And not much on the value stuff, but I kind of did, because you want to connect, you want to belong, you want to be part of it, and part of that's a values-based journey. But my point just being here that Um. uh the the uncommon sense of taking a formal thing like people-pleasing and being able to move it in an unexpected direction because it's a functional approach to why is that of how did that come to be of importance Mm -hmm. and what is going on there um, gives you some alternatives as a practitioner, and I don't want to be singing my praises. I don't know if that landed really well. It or It did, not, and, I, and,
1: and I and I couldn't help but you know I mean I'm I'm, you know here and I I um but I I I went I, I felt like there was a definite place where the face came back, and part of that was trans some transformation of stimulus function. Yeah, going on. Could you talk about that?
0: Yeah, and I I bet you, and let's just see if this well you come back and check when that person you picked actually shows up in front of you. Some of those functions <laughs> will be present. Yeah. They'll they'll have some different okay. functions on you. And maybe in yeah. this appetitive function of I would like to connect in consciousness with this person. And pleasing was my way to that. But mm-hmm. maybe there's another way that's more in tune with kinder to myself, less manipulative, kinder to the person, more bias-based, et cetera. So the transformation of stimulus functions kind of pieces you know how does these interactions land we have these relational operants that are trying to produce contact with consequences that are of importance like belonging
2: mm-hmm.
0: feeling etc and i think that happens inside our struggles and it happens inside our therapy and when we do therapy well i think we're trying to get it aligned in such a way that The functions of the environment that we're in are one that support us and being the kind of person we want to be. Yeah, you said there was a sense of wholeness, Mm -hmm. and you know, I think that's as the wholeness of you as a whole person, there's the wholeness of you in combination of the we of a communication with another person. And you know, I it's not by accident that heal and whole comes from the same root. So I think we're trying to do something that's healing yeah, and uh, find a place where it's okay to be you fully without just yeah. events and to connect with others and do what you came here to do in the time you got on the planet. Yeah. So, um, and it's probably not people-pleasing. <laughs> nothing wrong with it, nothing wrong with it, but it's, uh, if it's covering yeah. over the pain of loss and disconnection, it means you can't learn from that. If it's pushing you to manipulate, it means you don't get it, even when you do. The mm-hmm. Person's pleased, but you fool them, and who wants to be around fools? I mean, it just mm-hmm. uh, the mind's trying to do what only the whole person can do. So wholeness is a good. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, right well thanks top? for that. I, I, I'm I'm um, really grateful for your your spirit in that, and I'm excited uh, to relive it again. Without having to think about making a recording, you know, and what am I <laughs> going to say after? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm just so grateful for for your uh, giving spirit and nature and sharing your your really valuable time with me today. Thank you for that, Steve.
0: Oh, thank you. This is really
1: cool. And uh, is there anything that you have got going on that you'd like to let people know to to check out? I mean, you have the Praxis courses, which are recorded, and I've uh, heard
0: yeah acting practice about. is now available continuously mm-hmm. so but it really should be act immersion then active practice that's the way i like it
2: okay
0: if people have done boot camps and stuff they can go directly to act and practice is there anything else coming up um no yeah, i think nothing for me in any kind of uh you if you could kindly just put up stephenchays.com if they want to stay in touch with me mm-hmm. And my rants and raps and all that blogs just go there and click on yes please send it to me okay they don't like it they can do a one click opt out all right i don't spam them but i do share
1: yeah and uh okay well um and then i just i just want to also thank you for all the work on this report that just came out too i was going to ask you about that but you know just really well that wouldn't be
0: bad to put up a little link because i love that report yeah love it and i think I think it's going to have some legs. I think it's going to matter, not yeah. just to ACDS, but to the world, because it's very forward looking. Yeah. it's and, and on some of these issues, like technical terms and you know middle level terms and
1: all that, it's pretty tight.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It gives people a place to go.
1: Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate you. Appreciate it all. Thank you. Take care. Stronger They take a piece of me, but I'm getting stronger, they take a piece of me, but I'm getting stronger, they take a piece of me.